Parshas Miketz, Bitochen, a heart of flesh. In Masech Sukkah, on Daf Nun Beis, Amud Aleph, the Gemara talks about the various names by which the Yetzir Hara is known in the Kisvei HaKodesh. There's a list there of names, seven names of the evil inclination that we find in our Holy Scriptures. What's the purpose of the Chachamim giving us that information? It's because the Yetzir Hara is a subject which the world ignores. And that's exactly what the Yetzir Hara prefers. Imagine a spy is trained in Moscow and now he comes to America. He doesn't want any headlines announcing his arrival because he succeeds only when he is incognito. And that's why the Yetzir Hara likes when people don't talk about him. That's when he's most successful. And that's why you find so much in the Divrei Chazal that is spoken about him. Because the more we think about him, the better off we are. The more we know about him, the more suited we are to protect ourselves. And so if our sages are telling us names of the Yetzir Hara, it's not merely letting us know information, like a coordinates going through the Tanakh and saying various names. Each one is a big limud, a very important lesson about how to deal with this enemy, how to defeat him. Just to give an example, Shlomo Karo Sone. Shlomo HaMelech called him enemy. What does that mean? It means that the Yetzir Hara is the enemy and that you have to get your mind off all other enemies. If you think you have other enemies in this world, you're making a mistake. And if you waste your efforts hating anybody or fighting anybody, you are expending efforts that could have been better utilized if you had recognized the real enemy. I remember I was once in a little town in Sivatsin, in Lithuania, on Tishabov. We had just finished saying Kinos, and the Shalvarov was present, and he was speaking to us unofficially, informally. At that time, they were making protest demonstrations all over the world against the Arabs for something that the Arabs had done, some atrocity against the Jews. And the first thing he said then was that we need to make protest demonstrations against the Yetzir Hara. Now, I was a young man just recently married, and I thought I knew a lot. And so when I heard those words, even though I respected the dictum of this great man, but actually it didn't enter my head, it was something interesting, a witty remark, but I didn't really accept it so much. But as the years went by, I began to understand more and more that it's not just words, that it's actually so. The Yetzir Hara is the real Soine. Because whatever happens in this world, it's the Yetzir Hara that's manipulating us. If not for the wickedness that people were moved to do because of the Yetzir Hara, there never would have been any Arabs making any trouble. They wouldn't have done anything. And so the Shalvarov wasn't just saying something cute. He was saying the truth, the way it is. But that's not our subject now. We'll take up that name one day. But right now... I just wanted to bring you an example of why it's important to know the Yetzir Hara's names. Each name is intended to guide us, to make us aware of who the Yetzir Hara is. Now, we don't have time for each one tonight, but one of them, one that's connected to our Sedra, we'll talk about now. The Gemara says, Yecheskel Karo Even. The Navi Cheskel called it a stone. He's talking there about the days to come, when the Yetzir Hara won't be in power anymore. And he says in the name of Hashem, V'hasiroti et lev ha'even mibsarchem. I am going to remove the stone heart from you. V'natati lachem lev basar. And I'll give you instead a heart of flesh. So we see that where there's a heart of stone, the Yetzir Hara is in power.
Now, if that name, Stone Heart, is what the Navi calls the Yetzir Hara, so we understand that there hangs in that name a very great Musr Haskel that we have to study. At least we should make an attempt to understand what that name is teaching us. Now, people who live only by superficialities and they translate Torah words into Gentile idioms, so to them a stone heart means somebody who is cruel. And when they see such a pasuk, they think it means, I'm going to remove the cruel heart, and in its place I'm going to give you a lave of basar, a soft heart. They imagine that that's what's promised, li'atid lavo, in the days to come, you're going to have a kind heart. But that's not the Peshat at all. Because first of all, in the Tanakh, the word lave has nothing to do with kindness or cruelty. In Lushan Kodesh, the word lave means mind. You'll soon hear why that's so. But it's an important piece of information you're hearing now. The Torah language doesn't express thought by the word moach, brain. It's lave. That's the mind. And what is a stony heart? Why is the Yetzir Hara compared to a stone? And why is the Yetzir Tov compared to a heart of flesh? Lave Basar. The answer is, a stone has no feelings. And successful living comes from feeling. To actually sense things. To feel the Toyota ideals. That's the summit of achievement in this world. And that's precisely the reason that in Torah vernacular, all thinking is with the Lave. It's because a person must train himself to feel his thoughts. The brain, after all, is just a computer. It's the heart that measures the amount of feeling you have, how much your cold logic is translated into warm impulses. It's the heartbeat that matters. The heart beats faster when you're feeling, and therefore our language expresses thought by the heart, because the heart will indicate how much a person is involved, how much he feels the idea. An idea without heartbeat is nothing to us. A person who can teach, who can say lofty ideas from the lips outward, but in his mind he doesn't have it, he doesn't feel it, he doesn't sympathize with those ideas. Among us Jews, he has no place. Let's say you have in the university somebody who is talking about social justice. He's teaching a course on political science and he's talking about the importance of affording every stratum of society opportunities to live with the maximum pursuit of happiness. And he's preaching to his students about how the wealthier have to share their wealth with the downtrodden who have been pushed underfoot by the higher class, the capitalists. And this man is so enthusiastic about his ideals that he's gushing. He waxes poetic without end on his subject. And of course, his gullible students swallow it hook, line, and sinker. As he walks out after finishing his lecture, he's going to his car and he's wiping his lips in happiness. Oh boy, did I give it to them tonight. A poor man comes over to him. Sir, I'm hungry. Maybe you could spare me a dollar and I'll buy myself a sandwich. So what does this paragon of social justice do? He gives him an angry look and he runs into his car and slams the door. Now, how could such a thing be? He's not ignorant about the plight of this poor fellow. The answer is that he has a mind of stone. He never assimilated the ideals that he himself speaks about. He knows all about it. He can explain very well the ideals he claims to believe, but he hasn't the slightest interest in practicing it. Actually, he is only working for export. That's called a stone heart. 
when you don't translate your ideals into feelings. It's cold knowledge. That's all. When we talk about a lave of basar, however, a heart of flesh, it means not only to know, but to feel and to live the great ideals. That's why when Jews learn about tzedakah, they don't talk about it, they do it. I can prove it. Walk into a yeshiva. A yeshiva is not a place where millionaire sons come. It's mostly poor boys. Now here walks in a man from Eretz Yisrael who has to marry off his daughter. He goes over to the mashkiach and tells him his plight. So the mashkiach appoints two boys and they go among the poor yeshiva boys. Now, what do they have already? Not much. Maybe a little allowance that they need for themselves. They need sometimes to take a bus or maybe buy a snack. But they take out their money and he leaves with hundreds of dollars from the Beis HaMedrash. Hundreds of dollars from poor boys. How could such a thing be? That college professor, he studied much more about the plight of the poor than these boys. He's written a thesis on the subject. The answer is that these boys are trained to live their ideals. It's not only in their minds, in their stony hearts. They've already softened their hearts to the idea that tzedakah means giving. You know, tzedakah can mean righteousness too. Ah, righteousness, such a beautiful word. But you forget that it means giving. That's why in the Machzor, when it says the three things, teshuva, tefillah, utztaka, that will rescue you from punishment. So what did the printer do? On top of the word tzedakah, he put mamun, not righteousness, mamun, actual greenbacks. In the Gentile prayer books, the printer wouldn't have the nerve to do such a thing. It's righteousness, that's all. Don't bother me with the results of righteousness. And therefore, when somebody comes to those righteous people and asks for charity, he's directed to go to this and this address. That's where the head of quarters are. They'll take care of you. The organization handles that. Don't bother us here. And therefore, when we talk about ideals, we understand that it doesn't mean only to know the right ideas. Of course, that in itself is also a very big thing. To know the right ideas is not a small thing. But if it remains so, if it doesn't soften up your heart too, then you are remiss in your function in this world because your heart is a stone heart. Now, we won't say it's easy. It's a big job because tzedakah is only one example. There are so many things, so many Torah attitudes and ideals. And if you only learn it in a stony way, then it has no effect on life at all. Even if you're very learned, maybe you studied many Sepharim. But if you learned it just intellectually and you never practiced feeling what you learned, so you're left with a stony heart. And a stony heart is not capable of functioning. And therefore, it's of the utmost importance to take all the great Torah ideals and make them part of your personality, to feel the ideals, to live them. That's a lave basar. To make your heart a fleshy heart means that it feels the great thoughts that you say with your mouth and it reacts to the world with those feelings and emotions. Now, among the many areas of life where people are living with a stony heart without softening their hearts to the great ideals, one of the most important ones is bitachon, reliance on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You might have learned about the fundamental principles of bitachon. You know it. You say it. But is that enough? The fact that you say it. You can even be a good darshan. You can make drushes like I'm saying to you right now. So what if I'm saying it? It doesn't mean that I've assimilated it. It doesn't mean that it's become part of my personality. 
That's what it means. Lev ha'evin. A person has a mind. Yes, he knows all about it, but it hasn't penetrated his personality yet. He hasn't softened his stony mind enough to feel bitachan in a way that it becomes part of his personality. Now the Medrash Rabbah at the beginning of Miketz talks about this problem. It's talking there about Yosef HaTzadik, how he was sitting in prison. It wasn't his fault and he was waiting to get out and he tried. When he interpreted the dream for one of his fellow prisoners, he said, remember me when you get out. Remember me and see that I get out of here because I don't belong here. I'm an innocent man. But the man went out. And nothing happened. The wine bearer did not remember Yosef. And he forgot him. He didn't remember him means he didn't put it into his mind. Once in a while at the beginning it occurred to him, but he kept on postponing. I'll do it, but not now. Now is not the right time. Later. And finally, he forgot all about it. So now Yosef was sitting in prison, and time was going by, days, weeks, months, and Yosef was still waiting for the good news. Eventually, two years went by, and it was at the end of two years, and finally, things began to move. Now the words, and it was at the end of two years, seems conspicuous for those familiar with Lush and Kodesh. We would have expected the more familiar phrase, and it was after two years. And the Medrash makes note of this unusual phrase and tells us that there must have been an end to something here. Vayimi Kates means that the end of a certain period of time had arrived. And that's something the sages want us to understand. And so they apply to our story a Pasuk in Eiv, a mysterious Pasuk, and we're going to study it. Kates Sam, Hashem made an end. Even Ofel. To the stone of darkness. And they say that it's talking about our protagonist. About Yosef's stony heart. Yosef at Sadik, A stony heart. What does that mean? You know, Yosef left home at the age of 17. He was a Yeled Zakunim, A child of his father's old age. And the Targum says he was a Chakim. A wise child. Because of that. You know, if your father is already an old father when you're born. That's the best father to have. If you have a young father of 19, let's say you're the first child, so your father doesn't know much yet. As he grows older, he becomes a better father. But if he fathers you at the age of 60, then you have a better father. No question. And Yaakov was already well on in years when he had Yosef, so he was the best kind of father. But despite all that he put into his son, Yosef, after all, was only a young man of 17 years. Seventeen is not thirty, and Yosef needed a lot of training yet. And therefore, when he was in prison, he made an error. Now we call it an error only relatively. For us, it wouldn't have been called an error. But for a great man like Yosef Atzadik, on his madrega, it was called an error. What was the error? He said to the Sarhamashkim, You should remember me. You should remember me. Is that a sin? What's such a big sin? Even a small sin, it doesn't seem to be. And the answer is that there's a sentence that the Navi Yirmiya said, Arur HaGever Asher Yiftach Ba'adam. Cursed is the man who puts his trust in human beings. V'sam Basar Zrowal. And he makes his strength in flesh. What are human beings? Human beings are only meat. If you pass by a butcher shop, will you put your trust in a side of beef? 
Asar Hamashkim is a side of beef. That's all. And Yosef made an error by putting his hope into a side of beef. Now, there was nothing wrong in trying to get out. Certainly, he should try. He must. But it depends how much he relies on it. It depends on how much your heart is actually softened to the ideal of true bitachon, of genuine reliance on Hashem. And Yosef's heart needed some more softening. To a certain extent, Yosef was visam basar zrovo, and he made his strength in a piece of meat. It's a lesson that a person has to learn over and over again. You can't know it too much. Nobody can help you. And therefore, when you have, let's say, a banquet of a certain institution, and a Gentile senator comes down and says a few kind words about the Jewish people, and all the people there applaud warmly, their hearts melt with happiness. They know at least there's one good goy in the government who is for them. Oh no, that's a very big error. First of all, he doesn't even mean it. There's no question that he's insincere. He walks out and he says, Ha! I gave those Jews a good time tonight. He doesn't care a lick for the Jews. It's just a bought favor. It's a compliment that you pay for. You'll have to give votes for that. But even if he was a good goy, Lu Yitzuyar, imagine he's a very good goy. You're making a big mistake if you put your trust into him, even a little bit. And that's what happened with Yosef. When the Sar Hamashkim left the prison to resume his office as the cupbearer to Poro, to a certain extent, Yosef's prayer went along with him. Yosef was always praying to Akalish Baruch Hu. But now when Yosef HaTzadik saw that the Sar Hamashkim was flushed with gratitude, after all, it was Yosef who got him out of that hole. And as he was leaving, he said, Rely on me. Rely on me. So Yosef caved in a little bit. He relied on that. Oh, that was a big mistake. Now Yosef didn't rely on him. It's certain that Yosef didn't put his trust in this man alone. He relied on HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But a little bit he was leaning on this goy. A little bit of his confidence in Hashem went out the door with this man, this piece of meat. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, Yosef, you left home too early. You were only 17. Your education is not completed, and I must teach you a little longer. You still have a stony heart. You're lacking a little bit of sensitivity to the great principle of bitachon that nobody in this world can help you. Of course, halavai, our hearts, at the age of 120, should be as soft as Yosef's at the age of 17. But compared to what Yosef was supposed to be, it was considered a stony heart. And so HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, a little more waiting a little more training he needs. Now it didn't happen at once. After the first day, Yosef was hoping he'd get good news from the palace. But the day passed and nothing happened. He went to the overseer of the prison. Any news? Any letters for me? No, no letters today. The next day, no letters. Days passed by and every day Yosef was disappointed. His plans, his hopes, his reliance on the Sarah Mashkim were being frustrated. Little by little, it dawned on Yosef, the whole thing was only a dream, that the Sar HaMashkim is just a piece of side beef. Months passed, a year passed, and now Yosef was telling himself, You deserve a kick, Yosef. You should kick yourself. What do you mean by putting your trust into human beings? And every day, he spoke it over to himself, until finally he gave up any shadow of hope that help would come from his plan. At the end of two years, it was erased from his heart completely. His hard heart 
so to speak, of course, was now softened. Yosef had come back to 100% Amuna and Bitaqan. Only HaKadosh Baruch Hu could get me out. Whatever will happen, if it will be the Sar HaMashkim or something else, it's not that. Nothing will help except Hashem. The Medrash says HaKadosh Baruch Hu measured out the two years like a chemist in a laboratory. A chemist doesn't just dish out something. He doesn't take a bucket full of a certain material and pour it into a bucket. No, he measures it with exactitude. He uses a vessel that has gradations carved into the side. It has to be precise. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu was Sam Cates. He made a limit to how much time, how much disappointment in his plan Yosef needed in order to soften his stony heart that relied on men. And finally, when it was the end of two years and Hashem saw into Yosef's heart that he had become exceptional in Bitochen, that he had purified his heart, now things began to move. That's what it states in David HaMelech's Perush an Chumash. People don't know that, but Tehillim has excellent Perushim an Chumash. Not the Perushim on Tehillim, but Tehillim itself is a wonderful Perush an Chumash. Look in Tehillim Kufhei, and he describes how Yosef was in the prison. Inu Bakevel Roglo. They afflicted his feet with iron chains in prison. Barzel Ba Nafsho. His body came into metal. That means he was tied down with metal chains in the dungeon. Until when? Ad eis bo devoro. Until the time when Hashem's word came. Imrat Hashem serafatihu. The word of Hashem had purified him. What does it mean the word of Hashem purified him? The word of Hashem set him free. That's all. Where does purify come in here? The answer is, Hashem kept him in jail two more years. That was his word. All those days waiting, days of disappointment in man, disappointment in plans gone awry. That's what purified Yosef from his little bit of non-bitachon. And now, all of a sudden, Vayavo el Paro, he's standing before Paro. He's 30 years old, and he's talking to the king. Now, 30 years is nothing yet. There are many 30-year-olds who have the stony heart of a three-year-old. But Yosef was different now because he had made use of his disappointments to acquire a lave basar. He was prepared with emuna and bitachon. And now he was ready for a different type of surprise because now there was the surprise of good fortune. At the age of 17, that good fortune might have knocked him off of his feet. It was me, my interpretation of the dream, that brought me here. But now Yosef was already through the fire. He was tempered in the forge. And he knew that Arur HaGever Asher Yiftach Ba'adam Accursed is the man who puts his faith in a human being, even if that human being is yourself. Biladai, he said to Paro, it's not me. Only Hashem can put the interpretation of your dream into my mouth. That's the result of being disappointed and using that letdown to create a softer heart, a heart that is softened to the great ideals required for creating a Torah mind. That's the greatness of Vahasiroti et Lev Ha'even Mibsarchem, removing the stone heart, Venatati Lachem Lev Basar, and acquiring instead a heart of flesh. And that brings us to the great statement of the Chayvis Alavavas. The Chayvis Alavavas puts down the following principle, and it's very important for us to study that. It will be very useful in life, so pay good attention now. 
He says that sometimes unexpected things happen to us. All kinds of unexpected things. And they're not accidents. It's a system that Hashem follows with man in this world. The system of surprises, of the unexpected. It's one of Hashem's methods of refining us in this world. One of the ways we acquire a lev basar. You know, a person can refine himself by studying Musr Sephardim. If a person takes Koyvus Levavus and learns the Shara Bitochan, there's no question that it's going to redound to his benefit. The ideas begin to percolate into his mind and he becomes a different person. No question about that. But it's not easy. It takes work. You have to study the words again and again. And even when you do that, it doesn't always enter your bones. It doesn't always go into your kishkas. Even if you learn a good Musr Seder, it takes work for it to seep in, to make your heart of stone into a heart of flesh. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is on the job, however. He won't let you remain a nothing, and so he gives you opportunities. He plans surprises that are intended to wake you up from your stony stupor. And one of them, the Chayvah Salavavah says, is unexpected bad news, Khalila, unexpected misfortunes. Here is a man, a stockbroker, and he's flourishing. Things are going well. He has customers. He has many friends. And he's dreaming now of a big fortune because he sees how it's piling up. All of a sudden, there's a crash and he's wiped out. Not only he lost all of his money, but he lost his job too. Nobody is buying any stocks. Now, this man was a sporty fellow. He was cocky, secure in his situation. He was sitting on top of the world. And now suddenly he's upended. He can't even pay his rent. A true story. He can't even pay his rent. He's sitting now on a dung heap. He's ruined. That's one kind of sudden surprise. The Chavis Lavava says, and it happens to everyone. Not like that, hopefully. Not as drastic as that. But Hashem sends disappointments to everyone. Not they happen. They're being sent. It's a system that HaKadosh Baruch Hu follows in order that you should learn the great lesson that he is in full charge of all the affairs of your life, that you are not the one who is the author of your fate. And it hurts sometimes. It's no fun to have your plans go awry. But that's the purpose, so that the mind of a person should be stirred into motion. He should be stimulated into thinking. What's going on here? Otherwise, you'd never think. So although you made a certain arrangement and you hoped that it would turn out a certain way, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sometimes does you a favor and he upends your plans. He's teaching you a very valuable lesson. The lesson that I am the Melech. I am king. I am in charge, not you. And so, don't rely on your plans. Don't rely on other people. Don't rely on other things. Whatever you do, and you must do, Remember that it's all me. It's worth good money, that lesson. And Hashem is not charging you for it. So you should be happy. You thought that you are the one running the show here. That you are the macher here. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, no, no, forget about that. I'm the only macher around. He's softening your heart, just like he did to Yosef Atzadik. Here's a man, he has to go to a specialist. He's a big doctor and you had to make an appointment months in advance. And then when the day comes, you have to take the day off from work and your boss is not so happy about that. You took off for Cholam and this and that. But what can you do already? It has to be done. 
and you've been waiting a long time for this appointment. So you get into a taxi and make the trip to Manhattan. And when you get to the office, the secretary sitting behind the desk tells you without even looking up. She tells you that the doctor had an emergency and won't be coming in today. You'll have to go home and call the office tomorrow to reschedule, she tells you. Oh, are you disappointed? All of your plans, all of your preparations for nothing. No, it's not for nothing. It's a great opportunity that HaKadosh Baruch Hu is giving you. Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu make this whole story? In order to remove your lev ha'even and teach you the great lesson that when you make plans, when you do anything, don't rely on anything. It's only him, nobody else. So as you walk away from the secretary's desk, instead of that disappointment and anger, a man told me this story. He said he wanted to strangle that secretary. Instead of foolish and stupid thoughts like that, you remind yourself that this is a great opportunity. It's your great opportunity to think about what Yosef thought about for two years. What was I thinking? Just going through the motions without always remembering that it's not the Sar HaMashkim. It's not the doctor in Manhattan. It's only HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Of course, you have to ask the Sar HaMashkim for help. And of course, you have to find the best specialist. But what are you thinking in your head? That you need Hashem for everything. That's what matters most. And a person can do this tens of times every day. Many tens of times each week. Because there are always things that don't go exactly as you expected. And every small disappointment is the opportunity for learning this lesson of Bitochan again and again. The lesson that Hashem is the boss. And that He's the one to think like Yosef did. Why did Hashem disappoint me? To teach me this important lesson that I have to rely on Hashem. And that He is everything. It doesn't mean that it's easy. It's not always easy to respond in the right way because actually you are disappointed. And now you have to take your natural emotions and accord them with your intellect, with the principle that we're talking about now. That this disappointment is the plan of Hashem to teach you bitachon. It's not easy. But the answer is he should continue to utilize the opportunity and knock it into his head again and again. And this was one of the purposes of his disappointment, to teach him reliance on Hashem, because he'll never think about it again otherwise. It could be he'll read about it sometimes in his sefer, or he'll hear a darshan speak about it. But his heart is still quite stony. Only now that he lost some money, or he missed his ride, it's an opportunity to soften his heart. So even though the hurt of disappointment might rankle in his mind, the lesson can be learned anyhow. He can bring home to himself again and again the thought, this is an opportunity for me. I can acquire bitachon just because of my disappointment. It doesn't mean you're going to sing and dance because you lost money. It's unnatural. But if a little bit of bitachon will enter your awareness, maybe I should grow in bitachon because of this, then you are already successful. If you already say, maybe, then you already have achieved something big. A little bit you learned that only he is the author of your fate. And a little bit of bitachon is something big. Now, even though we're talking tonight about disappointments, that's the story with Yosef after all. There's another type of surprise that happens to people. You know, when I was a youngster, I once picked up a book of Ripley's Believe It or Not. And I want to tell you something I read there because it's a true story and it explains perfectly what I want to tell you. 
It's about two people who died in one day because of the same story, but for opposite reasons. There was once a wealthy man in Paris, and one day his accountant came to him with a long face. I have terrible news to tell you, he said. Your finances have been shipwrecked, and from all of your millions, you only have a hundred thousand francs left. When the man heard that news, he was seized by a heart attack, and he died immediately. A hundred thousand francs. Do you know what that means? He's a pauper now. He died on the spot from disappointment. Well, immediately his lawyer looked in his papers and found his will. This man had no heirs except one relative, a very poor nephew. The nephew was mamish, a beggar, a shiftless fellow with no source of income. He didn't know where the next meal would come from. So they sent a messenger quickly to tell the nephew that he inherited 100,000 francs. When he heard the good news, he had a heart attack and he died. That's on the authority of Ripley's, believe it or not. So here we have sudden surprises of different kinds. One is a great misfortune and one is a great success. And listen to the words of this great man, the Chayvis Lavavas. He's our great Rebbe and we have to listen to him. He says that both surprises have one purpose, and the purpose is not to give heart attacks, but to give you a lave basar, to soften your heart, and to teach you that your affairs are not under your own control. That it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu and not you who's running the show. Whether you're the rich uncle or the poor nephew, whether the surprise was disappointment or happiness, that's one of the purposes, so that you will acquire a soft heart. You know what happens to everybody? Sudden good news. I look back on my little life. A lot of times, sudden good news came to me. A surprise. I remember when I wanted a shidduch for my daughter, and I was sending to Shadchanim everywhere, but nobody was answering. I was trying, but nothing. All of a sudden, a beautiful shidduch comes up from an unexpected corner. A Yeshiva called me up himself and offered me one of his best boys. I was afraid he was going to ask me for money, a tremendous amount of money. He called me up another time after they were married about something else. And when my wife heard he was on the phone, that he was calling us, she was afraid that he was going to ask for money. So I was looking in one direction, and it came from an entirely different direction. That's an opportunity. The surprise of happiness. Don't let it go lost. Everybody has good surprises in his life, and you have to make use of that. Don't let it go by, because it's given for that purpose, so that you should sit on it. You should suck out all of the bitachon you can from it. Study it and remind yourself about who is the author of your fate. Look, I didn't even aim for it, but he was aiming, and that's what matters. That's how life is. All types of unexpected surprises come our way. And we have to make use of all of them because we're here in this world to soften up our hearts, to learn the lesson of bitachon. And like Yosef, we are expected to use both the disappointments and the successes to remind ourselves of who's really in control of our lives. Have a wonderful Shabbos. Let's get practical. Softening your heart every day. Yosef HaTzadik's heart was changed into a heart of flesh by Hashem's direction. All disappointments and successes are measured out by Hashem with precision in order to give us the opportunities to soften our hearts to the great ideal of Bitachan. This week I will believe that spend a minute every day thinking about an event. 
whether a disappointment or a success that didn't go as planned, and I will consider the lesson that Hashem wants me to take away from what happened and thereby soften my heart.